God works in mysterious ways. Have you heard this? It's a rumor going around about God. God works in mysterious ways. And I say it's a rumor because it's not backed up by Scripture. It's just something we say. It's often, it's rarely said by people who are hurting. It's often said by people who are trying to say something to people who are hurting and doing a bad job of it. So when you say, uh, oh, I'm sorry, your father is in the hospital. You know, God works in mysterious ways. Well, God sounds cruel. Uh, that broken ankle wasn't necessarily, or that, that broken arm wasn't really part of our day plan. It really hurt our finances. I don't get what's going on. How is God working in these mysterious ways? When we put this on God, sometimes it puts God into a corner where God has done something that God didn't really do. God works in mysterious ways is the mantra of the privileged. When things are easy, when things are nice, we like to talk about God doing things and God's working in our life and God's uh, making this happen. You hear this sometimes with uh, people will give an illustration about their life. You know what? I couldn't find my keys for five minutes. And then I was... I finally found them, and I was running late for work, and I was so upset, and then I passed a wreck. And I thought, well, you know what? God works in me. Those people are in a wreck! Quit making this about you! God works in mysterious ways, only benefits the ones who aren't in the wreck. You lost your keys because you're irresponsible. That's why you lost your keys. Like we say around here a lot, everything happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason is because we're dumb. We make bad choices. We make silly... We, 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 we don't do the right thing at the right time. We, we, are our, we, we are our own problems. But God working in mysterious ways, well, that, that is always beneficial to me. Until I run up against something that you just, it just, it just hurts. Fifteen years ago, towers. Every single one of you, if you were old enough, remember right, remembers right where you were on that day. And a lot of it is because life threw you a curveball probably for the first time ever. A hard one. One of those things where you think, I can't believe this is happening. I'll tell you where I was. I was skipping class. I needed breakfast. I was in the cafeteria at Arkansas Tech University. And I was, uh, usually they had music videos playing on televisions. Because uh, college students like that sort of thing. And they, brought, they broke in and I could see, I could see the uh, one tower already had been hit. And it was one of the, the TV was a ways off, so I picked up my tray and walked up and sat down and looked, watched it, and it was crazy. Rachel and I were talking about this yesterday. It was crazy to watch the progression because we watched it live, most of us. You, maybe it came on after the, the first plane had hit, but you're watching that second plane hits while you're watching. 
And one tower goes down and then the other tower goes down and no one is brave enough to say God works in mysterious ways because this isn't Tim Tebow throwing a weird touchdown pass. This isn't like fun stuff that benefits us. It's at points like these that we actually, like those of us who are honest, ask the question, where is God? If God is working, what is God doing? How does this happen? The poor families of these people, the people who ran to the the rubble and to the wreckage to save others, and now are dealing with the health consequences because of it, because of all the stuff they breathed in while they were there. Like there is brokenness and hardship all around us. And it does not do to walk up to people and say, God works in mysterious ways. Because the essence of that statement is, you wouldn't understand. To tell people, I know you're hurting, but we worship a God who you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't get it. hard to hear I think it's hard to hear because I don't think it's true I think God revealed himself to us and I don't think he works in mysterious ways I think he works in the ways of Jesus I think I get to read about Jesus and I get to be in relationship with Jesus And I get this wonderful story in John 11 about Jesus. we got a lot of scripture today, so we're going to plow through it. On his arrival, Jesus found... Okay, his friend Lazarus has died. Let's set the scene. Died a while back. Well, a while back, like earlier that week. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. A lot of us have been here, I think, where Martha is. God, maybe we felt this, on September, on, maybe we felt this 15 years ago. Maybe you felt this when your family member was sick. Maybe you felt this whenever you were struggling financially, whenever your marriage was hurting, whenever, whatever. Maybe you felt this. God, if you were here, this wouldn't happen. God, if you would intervene, this wouldn't be a problem. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Now, real quick, we know the rest of the story. Now, I don't like, a lot of your Bibles have headings, right? The heading here says, Jesus raises Lazarus. Spoiler alert. All of those headings spoil the story. Skip the headings. Like if someone had never read this before, it just is completely anticlimactic. They're told what happens before it happens. But here it says, Jesus raises Lazarus. We know that Jesus raises Lazarus, so sometimes we read that Jesus raises Lazarus and we know it's coming and he says he will rise again. We think he's going, 
yeah, of course, the, the heading told us so. But what Jesus is saying here is almost essential to what when we would say, well, don't worry, he's in heaven. Like when we, whoa. Okay, you want, when you hear a scream, you want to listen for a second scream. But what Jesus is saying, yeah, the, all the Jews believed that, when the Jew, that at some point the kingdom of God would re- return, the Messiah would rule, and all would be resurrected, and then they would live in the kingdom of God. So for Jesus to say he will rise again is not a shock. Like it's everyone, everyone said that at every Jewish funeral, everyone would rise again. Actually, you can tell Martha understands this. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the re- resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So we have a religious, a spiritual, theological understanding of pain. Jesus and God have conquered death and will conquer death. And it is the conquering of death that gives us hope, not the healing of cancer. It is the conquering of death that gives us hope, not making life easy. It is the resurrection that brings us hope. This is a theological discussion of pain. Jesus, notice, doesn't say, well, Martha, you wouldn't understand. Jesus doesn't say, well, Martha, you, it's a mystery and something you can't even comprehend. He says, no, this is how it's going to happen. But I am making it happen. And then Mary comes out. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. It's that first, I think it's that first image that we often sort of play with. It's the Martha side of the story where Jesus kind of gives us the teaching and we like the teaching and the teaching says, well, this is what will happen and this is why um, you should, un- this is how you should understand this. This should give you some hope. But then Mary comes out and is just broken. Mary comes out and is sad. And Jesus sees her sadness and sees the sadness the tears of the, the, one, the ones who are with her. And he gets choked up 
And he cries with them. I can't get over this image of Jesus crying at the death of a friend that he's about to call out of the grave. See, Jesus' tears aren't hopeless. A lot of our tears are hopeless. You're hurting, you're struggling, death is upon us, illness is upon us. A lot of our tears, when we're sad about something, there's no hope immediate. There's no hope coming. Jesus, Jesus is about to call it. Jesus is about to go up to the grave, say, Lazarus, come out of there. And Lazarus is about to meander out of the grave. Smelling horrific. It's gonna, it's gonna be amazing. Jesus doesn't at this point roll up his sleeves and say, like, quit your crying. You don't understand. Here we go. He is moved by their pain. He is moved by their suffering. I would argue that not only do we not worship a God who swats us away like little children and says, says you wouldn't understand. We worship a God who got down on his knees with us and leans over to us, weeps with us, and says, I understand. not about us understanding God. It's the fact that we worship a God who understands us. That when, when we cry, He weeps with us. And it's not because He doesn't know any better. Of course He knows better. But He gets down with us and He says, Yeah, I'm right there with you. Death is awful. Disaster, terrorism, disease is awful. God hates it too. The part in the Bible that says, uh, where, where Jesus says, God hates divorce. A lot of times we've used that phrase and we've, and we've wound it up tight and just beat divorced people with it. As if what God was saying is that God hates people who get divorced. Now that's screwy, it doesn't, I mean it's wrong. But those of you who have gone through that, either with yourself or with other people in your family, you sat beside people who've gone through the pain and trouble of divorce, you would say with them, yeah, this stinks. God hates the pain in this world that that just chaos inflicts on us and that we inflict on ourselves. God is with us as we move forward through tears. As we move forward through grief, God is with us. He understands us. We talk not long after the attacks on September 11th, N.T. Wright stood in front of a, a famed New Testament scholar. N.T. Wright stood in front of a, a, a crowd at a um, Christian university and was supposed to 
give a lecture on pain and suffering. And toward the end of the lecture, he said, I want to be very clear. God is not causing this. Instead, it is our God who became man and hung on a cross and was ridiculed and mocked and died. And they threw that spear into his side like a plane into the side of a building. So that he could get on his knees with us and say, me too. We have a God who says, me too. We have a God who's been through that pain. Who's wrestled with that struggle. We have a God who's experienced death and overcome it. Our God while we do not understand everything that God does, while His ways are higher than our ways, I don't think they're always confusing. I think it looks more like empathy. To be able to rejoice with us when we succeed, to weep with us when we fail, to repent with us whenever we're struggling. Our God is not aloof. Our God is not a bad parent who swipes away the child and says, don't come sit in my lap while I fix this thing. I was, Nolan took some uh, big fake toy gold coins, doubloons, you might say, and shoved them into our we, like you do. Just shoved them good and proper in there. So I just start taking the we apart. And it's got all these tiny screws, and I've got them laid out in order that I took them out. I'm opening it up, and I'm taking out the optical drive and taking it apart and pulling the power source out and it it, it is so intense because I'm not buying another Wii. Either this Wii makes it or we don't have a Wii. And Nolan is in my lap say, saying, help daddy. And he's grabbing screws. I had leftover parts when I got it back together. It works. But I got stuff that I don't know. Guess we'll throw it away. But like I could have banished him. It would have been so much easier to do it on my own. It'd be so much easier to be a parent who's aloof, who's who's it, it would be easier for God to not come into the world and, and take on the form of man and die. It would be easier not to suffer death. It would be easier to just wipe us out. But he loves us and sits next to us and weeps with us. We are sad. That's okay. We are, we are excited. That's great. Where, wherever you are this morning, God is celebrating that and he's empathizing with that and grieving with you in that. 
We have, uh, we have two people here. I don't want you to look at them. They don't, want you to, they don't want to be looked at. Well, you don't want to be looked at either. Um, a lot of you don't know this, but Zach and Brittany Pearson just got back from rehab. And they are 100 days sober. Um, for the first time in a long time. We are so proud of that. And here's, here's the thing. No pressure to be perfect. That's what's wonderful about Christianity is that Zach, and while we pray and we will stand next to them, they could struggle again at some point and we're right there with them. We're right there with them, right? Because our God is right there with us. So if you're addicted, if you're struggling, if you're, if, you're, um, if, if you're cheating, if you're hurting, whatever you are doing, whatever life is doing to you, God is with you and we are with you. Because God is with us. We, sh- we, we do not worship a God. Who tells us we don't understand. We worship a God. Who is alongside of us. And the whole time tells us. I understand. And listen. A lot of us don't understand each other. But we all serve a God. Who understands all of us. And that's why we're church. Not because we all get along, because we all struggle with the same things, or we're all doing the same things. The reason we're church is because we worship a God who gets all of us. Who weeps with us. So while God may be sometimes mysterious, because we're just dumber than God. not because he's pulled back and is hiding. Because he's done the opposite. God has revealed himself to us in his son. And, his, and what we see from his son is an empathy for the brokenness of creation. For the pain of the world. And what we see from his son is a celebration for those of those who are healed who have overcome. If you want us to sit with you and weep with you, if you want us to celebrate with you, both happen, I think, through prayer, or if you want to commit your life to the God who understands, because of Jesus He understands. And please don't wait until next week. Start that journey today. Please come forward while we stand and sing.